Hello everybody, welcome to episode 24 of Popcorn Peeps. My name is Jordan Costa and this is the podcast in which we go through the Hollywood Reporter's top 100 films of all time and give our thoughts along the way. This episode is dedicated to the 1984 action comedy directed by Ivan Reitman called Ghostbusters. The film stars Bill Murray, Dan Aykroyd, Harold Ramis, Rick Moranis, and Sigourney Weaver. I am joined by spectral spooker Sarah Alexander. Who are you gonna call? I don't know. Who I'm, gonna call. <laughs> I'm gonna call bullshit that this is even on the list. Proton Pack Repairman Craig Moore. Yeah, that's me, Proton Pack Repairman. And local psychic Chris McMullen. There is no Chris, only Zool. <laughs> psychic or psychotic? Curveball question for you guys. None of you will ever guess it. Can you tell me whose library decided this film was important enough to be preserved based on its cultural impact the library of the provinces of canada no oh is it the library of is it the london public library oh my god it's the library of congress's national film registry just like every other film (laughs) (laughs) obviously obviously yeah i think that might be how they made this list yeah they just copied the library of congress's list and like this is our list now scratch (laughs) out the name it was a foia request of the government for all of the films that are in the library of congress and they were like, just take the first 100 off. Yeah. That's our list. <laughs> so we just checked out Ghostbusters. What did you guys think? What's your first impression after watching or rewatching the film? I spent the last week trying to figure out how this made the list. And also, I want to issue an apology to Airplane, which I did not find funny at the time. But in hindsight, I now would rank top of my list after watching this disaster that is Ghostbusters. Oh. <laughs> that has got to be the most shade Sarah has thrown at any <laughs> film since we started this whole endeavor. I love that's it. A, Get nasty. That's a lot. Okay, there, there's definitely a nostalgia. I love it. It's like, it's a movie from my childhood. It was, everything was Ghostbusters. This is what I like to call a train wreck film because it is really fucking fun to watch, but man, is it not good. I had a great time re-experiencing this and re-watching it, and I would even recommend it to people, but it's not good. It's such an amalgamation of so many strange oddball ideas that I don't think you can quantify it as anything other than a chaotic mess. Even as someone who used to be a fan, I don't really understand how this was even a game changer in the 80s. This movie's a cult classic, though I've seen it before, saw it as a kid. You probably shouldn't let your kids watch this movie. It's for kids! I I don't think it is. There were toys, there were cartoons! This is a kid's movie about banging to open a gate to hell to summon a demon! I'm not convinced that this movie is quote-unquote, for kids. I think it's a movie that was watched by kids. What was the original rating? Like, yeah, it was marketed to shit, but I think the, the original rating was not G. I just think if you're going to release your film and then release Halloween costumes and toddler sizes and throw action figures in kids' faces, you can't say that its primary demographic wasn't young 13, 14-year-old males. But look at, no, but like, look at Jurassic Park. Jurassic Park is wildly popular with children, but children should not have been, speaking as a child who was taken to see Jurassic Park in theaters, you shouldn't take your kid to see Jurassic Park in theaters. I went and saw Jurassic Park in theaters as probably like a 17 year old person and I was still shitting myself when they were hiding (laughs) from the dinosaurs. 
there's tons of popular media that ends up being marketed towards kids in some way that originally should not and probably was not directed towards children. And I think this is an example of that. This was a, it was a funny, wacky action movie with crude humor and a protagonist who... And rape culture. Did not stand the test Okay, of time. come on. That's t- can, we ta- can we get right into talking about Bill Murray as Peter Venkman? I think it's so interesting. Like, this character is fine. Like, you can start this way, but it makes sense to develop him and develop his character. Put him in an opportunity where he has to rely on the other Ghostbusters, and so he has a way to grow and realize that, oh, these guys aren't just fucking nerds, and, like, maybe I need them, and they're not just as cringy as I thought they were. But he's the same dickhead at the end as he is at the beginning, and I find that's what's the most egregious part about his character. Not that he's an asshole, just that he's always an asshole. I think you're looking for more out of a comedy movie than you're ever going to actually be able to expect to get. I don't think asking for moderate amounts of character growth is asking too much out of any film that is supposed to be a great. Okay, where's Inception on your list? (laughs) It's like relatively high. Because there was no character growth at all in Inception. And you're saying that the problem in films is that there's not good character and it's a fucking comedy and you're saying the problem is that there's no character development, but one of your best movies is Inception? Inception has great character development. I'm not going to talk about here because I already ranted about it, but I do think Cobb has tremendous character development in that at the end, he is able to let go of what was plaguing him. But we're going to move on. We're going to move on. We're going to talk about it. I was going to say, I'm at a point in my life now where I'm just over the trope of the powerful man who is trying to sleep with his students and taking advantage of them and then using his job to try and sleep with women and giving them ultimatums and then drugging them, even though they're a psychologist and not a psychiatrist. And then, well, they're drugged making out with them and just the trope of oh this woman is now possessed by a demon and instead of being scary as shit she turns into this horny person who just needs her gate unlocked and she's looking for any key she can get i'm surprised he didn't use the opportunity to sleep with her or not honestly and snark is only funny once in a while like i can't do a full 90 minute movie with just snark that's not comedy for me and that's what i think airplane actually did well they set up a lot of funny jokes and it was clever Just having someone be sarcastic for 90 minutes isn't good humor. Living with Chris, it's not 90 minutes. It's all snark all the time. So maybe that's why the jokes hit better. And that's why no one's made a movie with him. (laughs) Oh my God. I would watch a Chris McMullen movie. Yeah, I'm feeling personally attacked. Those would be (laughs) R-rated. There might be a movie or two about me out there. Here's an interesting thing is I actually think that this movie was an enjoyable film to watch, but I absolutely agree with everything Sarah just said. It leaves a bad taste in your mouth just watching those scenes. In 2021, watching those scenes, if you don't feel little slimy watching them there's probably something wrong with you it's fun to watch because you're laughing at it you're not laughing with it i think that's the fundamental difference and talking about the cringe i think if we're gonna pick out the most cringe moment it has to be the menstruation joke in the library that was the biggest swing and a miss i've ever seen on this list i was disgusting oh my god was that ever bad but you can tell it was obviously written by all men who's starring in it all men unless you're a love interest or a secretary so yeah that joke is gonna fly because that's a hundred percent their audience in the 80s like yeah what's gonna make them laugh a woman who sees shit because she obviously must be on her period f off that being at the beginning just set the tone for me for the whole movie and my expectations turned out to be low and it met them at every aspect 
Were there any redeeming qualities? The, I like the soundtrack. Soundtrack was insanely good. Oh, I'll say this just before Chris does. Braveheart had a better love story. Oh, damn it. Sarah, you're making me question my entire life. I'm sorry. This just got me fired up. That's all right. I like it. What about some of our other characters? So this is called Ghostbusters, but this is only one Ghostbuster. We got kind of like two and a half others because one shows up halfway through the movie. What did you think about Ray Stance, who's played by Dan Aykroyd, Egon Spangler, who's played by Harold Ramis, and uh, Winston Zedmore, played by Ernie Hudson? Winston is the most relatable character out of them all. The guy sits down and they say, "Do you?" the interviewer, she says, uh, do you believe in ghosts, goblins, ghouls, the unnatural? And he's like lady for a steady paycheck i'll believe anything you tell me <laughs> like the one-liners are a big point of the comedy but i really think what makes it funny as well is how you get to see like these really honest takes on such an absurd situation and that's a great criticism too of like work culture essentially people are willing to do whatever for a paycheck and it's funny taking that mindset and putting it in such like a extravagant kind of a universe where there's ghosts and goblins flying around everywhere in terms of other Ghostbusters, I really feel like they didn't develop them very well. We got so much screen time with Bill Murray setting up the romance. I really feel like calling it Ghostbusters, but featuring only really one Ghostbuster, I think is a big mistake. I think pulling away from the romance and really investing us into Egon and Stance would have made the film a lot better. Focus it more on like a buddy comedy or like, like, a, like a brotherhood style setup as opposed to one guy kind of off on his own. I think that was where my biggest criticism was. I would agree, Jordan, and I liked it when we did have scenes with the two other Ghostbusters and their back and forth was funny, and I did like that, but it was very rare that we had it. And I get that Bill Murray was more of the abbot to especially Dan Aykroyd's Costello, but I just don't think it was executed as well as it could have been. I agree. At the very beginning, you know, the dean came in and was kicking them out of the office, and we were supposed to feel like the dean was the villain, right? And he's he's harshing their buzz kind of thing. But look at them. They're not scientists. They're not doing science here. One of these guys making... Egon is doing yeah. science. Egon's, Egon's not even a scientist. He's an engineer. He's building gadgets to help him detect ghosts. The other two guys are engineers and they're not e or are scientists, and they're not even fucking doing any science. No. If I was the dean, I would have kicked their asses out too. I thought they were going to get kicked out for trying to sleep with students, not because of what they were studying. That wasn't a thing back then. That was a perk of the job, I think, back then. Chris. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> the 80s sound like they were rough. Oh, they were great. I was 10, by the way. It's not like I was doing that kind of stuff. But yeah, no, it, we've come a long way. Like, I thought we left that all in the 60s. Oh, oh God, no. Oh, no, Sarah, no. We didn't even leave that in the 90s. <laughs> Trade you this loony for 70 cents. <laughs> in terms of the other Ghostbusters, though, I did really feel like I enjoyed Race Dance, but I think that's not an uncommon sentiment. He's the one who has the most childlike whimsy. When they're talking about how this place needs to be condemned, and it's unacceptable. He's spinning around the fireman's pole. He's having fun. He's just excited to be a part of the journey and to learn and discover and have a good time. And that's probably like, like a mill toast style take but i did enjoy mm -hmm. watching ray he was he was cute what about the secretary i like janine annie potts she was great janine was incredible that was probably the best character she was the only one to give vankman some fucking sass that he deserved yeah, and then he was just misogynistic back to her typical it's exactly who he was but then he apologized yeah but his apology was self-serving his apology was okay okay fine just get back to work yeah my favorite line from jolene was when they first set up the establishment and someone calls and she goes yes this is a real business if you 
We're not fooling around. Please call us if you have any paranormal issues you would like us to tend with in that like graining kind of voice. And I just thought that was so funny. My favorite line of hers actually is, Ghostbusters, what do you want? (laughs) (laughs) When I was younger and that Ghostbusters ad, or when I saw that Ghostbusters advert for the first time, we tried calling it on our phone. And of course we didn't have an area code or anything like that. So we just typed in like 555, blah, 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 blah. And it didn't take us anywhere. And we were pretty upset about it. So other than the actual characters, what did you guys think of our plot and our narrative structure? The overall idea is an interesting idea that ghosts are starting to show up as a precursor to this gate between the worlds kind of getting thinner and doomsday coming. It's it's a neat idea. I like that. Yeah, that's the one thing I don't have to apologize for. I think they could have done a lot more with it, though, because that was so surface level. It's just like, yep, the ghosts are here and now we have to fight them kind of thing that they didn't delve into that. I also, this might have just been me, I'd be curious to see what permits they had to run this business. And I was more interested in that story of the waste management fellow or environmental trying to shut them down because I thought, yeah, to be operating in this capacity, you must need some type of license or registration and how you're housing them. Like, yeah, that's interesting, but that could just be me. Excuse me, Mr. Ghostbuster, you don't have the proper paperwork filled out to operate this facility. (laughs) What form do you submit to the Environmental Protection Agency to storm specters, ghosts, and goblins? I feel like the federal government hasn't accounted for that. Well, I don't know in this universe because everybody passing just seems so like, yeah, we have ghosts. I better call Ghostbusters. So I feel like the government on some level would have had to be aware of it. Okay, but hear this out. In real life, you can drive by somewhere who will do tarot card readings for you and tell you your future. because they're a psychic and that is also fantasy mystical bullshit so i feel like if someone opened up a ghost busting business the government would be like yeah he's also with those crackpot uh, psychic people that's a good point yeah yeah but if they start destroying my property with their laser beams then i feel like there could be criminal damage if they don't have their that's a separate issue that could be handled in civil court true (laughs) i think this is cool because it is a blue collar superhero origin story when you break it down to the bottom most level they're like Tony Stark if Tony Stark had six dimes and a piece of gum in his pocket and a community college degree yeah (laughs) this is like we have this cool technology that we can use we see there's an application for it let's turn it into a business let's pay our bills with it let's become superheroes so we can afford our mortgages it's just something you don't really see and it still felt really unique and novel even almost 40 years later what i'm hearing is that jordan found the story of ghostbusters relatable they're just trying to find out kooky wacky ideas so you don't have to go to work every day (laughs) you gotta respect the hustle you can respect the hustle you can talk shit about their personality or what they actually was they got up to but at the end of the day you got to respect the hustle i had a ghost detecting app on my phone for a little while and uh, <laughs> i was in a small round table lecture and it was in an older part of western and someone was doing their presentation so i was like oh i'm like i'm in a spooky kind of area let me turn on my ghost detecting app and maybe i'll find something but i didn't realize the sound was also on and it would spit out words that the ghosts were saying and so just this person is presenting and then all you hear is Steak. I thought, oh my god. <laughs> That's amazing. If you're ever at a in a spooky building and you hear a ghost say steak, steak. <laughs> it was me actually. I it was, that was my ghost. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> 
<laughs> it's that little keg. <laughs> yeah, it's that old keg on Richmond. <laughs> and it would take, if you turn the camera on, it would take a picture and then all of a sudden there'd be little orbs in it like it was real and not the <laughs> app just put them there. Anyway, so there's definitely a market for them. I don't believe in ghosts at all, but I'm still the type of guy to slam the lights off downstairs and run up as fast as possible so like a specter doesn't pull me back down. <laughs> It could be anything down. Yeah, it's all fun in games till your leg falls off the bed and something underneath the bed grabs. <laughs> Ghosts are real, but I'm definitely closing the closet door when I sleep because there could be zombies in there. Oh, I was going to say, what do you guys think of Dana? The writer, um, Dan Aykroyd, just dis- did her some serious disrespect. She was an independent woman. She was an accountant. And not only did she have to deal with her roommate, or her not a roommate, her floor mate, Neighbor. I guess, yeah. harassing her, but, but the main character as well. She's just trying to go about her day. And I actually like the way they set her up where she was like no i didn't want nothing to do with you piss off buddy and then at the end they made them a couple and i'm like that's the worst idea ever that confused me too and i thought why did she change her mind just because he's famous now like that's not a great message to send for women hated it she just been through a traumatic experience it was his little it was it was his charm that was his charm Okay, I know you think he's creepy, but in watching it again, but that is what men were taught at that time. Wear them down. It's literally every film from the 80s. We spoke about this in a previous film. I can't remember what film it was, but you brought this up. Rocky? It was Rocky. And and Chris spoke about this. We went into depth about this. And if you really want to hear more, you should go back and listen to our Rocky episode because we did talk about this quite a bit and we should leave it probably after this. But that was a thing. And thankfully, by and large, young men aren't taught this process of courting anymore because it's gross. I think a lot more people are. We wouldn't have Me Too if they weren't still. We're just all very enlightened. Maybe, but I think with it being more on the forefront of media that young people are becoming more aware that this type of behavior isn't welcome and normally not successful. Yes, exactly. Like now. Yeah, now. That's what I'm saying. Now in 2021. But not even not even 20 years ago. Right. People still do this, but instead of coming to someone's door and asking if they want to hang out six times, they just send three unsolicited pics on snapchat i don't even know if that's the same right because because you can block someone on snapchat you can't you couldn't block someone from coming up to you at work every day yeah that's fair and the fact that she has a a a ghost and they're the only ghost service in town and he's kind of withholding his services unless she goes out with him it's kind of like you're a piece of shit yeah weird power dynamic there yeah who would have thought ghosts would have been the make or break here but there you go okay so okay interest interesting interpretation the way i interpret it was he wasn't withholding any services it was actually a bit he was doing to get her to go on a date i agree but that's me if you turn it around yeah from where she's standing maybe she sees it as the only way i can get this ghost dealt with if it's to go on a date with this creep I'd rather get possessed by Zool. You get possessed by Zool, you wake up four days later, you have six STDs. That's not the way you want to do it. <laughs> I want to talk about Zool. Let's move. I'm not to discredit I love Zool. the issues with sexual harassment, but this is an old ass list. This is an old ass movie. There's mm-hmm. a lot of it. We've mm-hmm. talked about it. Check out the Rocky episode again, as Craig said. But my main problem with the conclusion of this film from like a narrative perspective is they're ghostbusters and they've been busting ghosts the entire film. Spooky librarian ghost slimer ghost and then the main boss at the end here is a david bowie lookalike motherfucker (laughs) blasting lightning out of his fingertips like he's fucking emperor palpatine i just thought that was lame they're supposed to be fighting ghosts and the big bad ghost is just a dude is it more of a demon 
It is like a god, but it's in a human form. Yeah. I want to see them bust she a ghost. A, sorry, they they were a god. Yeah, I understand they're a god from another realm, but I want their I want what they're fighting against to be something cool and spooky and ghostly and not just David Bowie blasting lightning bolts. It's a comedy. It had like a $30 million budget. That's why you had to stay puff Marshmallow Man at the end was because it was a comedy. The, we weren't here to take down the evil emperor. We were here to blow up a marshmallow. Like that Marshmallow was fucking people up, Craig. That was a serious issue for the city of New York. And he was very destructive. They became Ghostbusters because of the veil becoming thinner and then they had to fight the big bad. I don't have a problem that the big bad was not a good the big bad was just lame i wanted a cooler presentation this movie is called ghostbusters it should have been called bowie busters even to this day the stuff with um gozer like up to the marshmallow thing is cute and i love the and i like that but all the architecture and like the other dimension stuff i love that like Zool's gateway is like this crystal gateway. I thought it was awesome. Or sorry, Gozer's gateway. I like that it's just inside a fridge. <laughs> That's cool. Mm -hmm. <laughs> That's funny. Question, Chris, because I haven't seen any further Ghostbusters. I don't know if you have or not, but I'm just curious since they destroyed Gozer in this one and that's what was making this layer between the ghost world and the real world thin, what would be the plot for Ghostbusters 2 and 3 if they destroyed Gozer? So, uh, Is there another demon that? Ghostbusters 2 is a demon in a painting. It's actually a evil, evil man who's inhabiting a painting that's brought to life by this pink negativity slime. Yeah, depression goop. Depression goop. It's not a great move. It's not. If you did not like Ghostbusters 1, I do not recommend Ghostbusters 2. Ghostbusters 3 is not out yet. Ghostbusters 3 oh, comes shit. out like, yeah, Ghostbusters 3 comes out sometime this year. I am 100% gonna... We should all go see it. We should. Ghostbusters 3 was actually a video game released for Xbox 360 written by Dan Aykroyd, who wrote the first two films, and it basically takes place right after Ghostbusters 2, and it's a full-fledged narrative story and it concludes a lot of the arcs for these characters and chris i actually think like not even not even to meme you if you have any sort of investment or nostalgia in this property the game is actually fantastic and a lot of fun i'll have to see if i can get an emulator yeah so ghostbusters 3 which is coming out which i'm super excited for has paul rudd in it oh, and see it. is on the same the chronology matches up with ghostbusters 1 and 2 so it's actually like 40-ish years later, and it's like grandkids of Egon. It looks oh, really okay. good. And then there was the Ghostbusters reboot, which was with the female cast, which was fine. Was it? I heard it was pretty rough. Yeah, I heard the same. I feel like it can't nearly be as bad as people are saying. That's true. I also heard that The Last of Us 2 was a bad game, and that was not the case. People were just really mad about the female yeah. cast, and I think just incels went on Rotten Tomatoes and I was just gonna say, it's, it, yeah, it was uh, incel. You should watch it. I was going to see, yeah. I don't know how bad it could be given that this was their starting material <laughs> so it's a short jump from the first story in terms of the film's comedy i actually think that while a lot of the jokes were swing and miss there were a couple hits in there i really like the one-liner in particular when they're trying to convince the mayor that they need to not side with epa but they need to side with the ghostbusters and help them defeat them and they're talking about what judgment day is like and doomsday is going to be like and they're describing all of these catastrophes and then vankman comes in and he says it's going to be like cats and dogs living together mass hysteria that's like infinitely quotable and there are some good lines in there they're buried and you have to sift through some garbage but there are seriously funny moments in this film 
Yeah. I think even even as a kid, Vinkman was the kind of person that people wanted to be. Well, that's why he's the focal point. We didn't know how terrible we were to women back then. We thought we were charming. I think it's mostly because he's charismatic. He's a piece of shit, but he's charismatic, and that's what people want. He's a bad boy. Well, that, that, yeah, that, that he's that archetype. Too close to home for me. I'll be honest with you, though, when I first saw this movie as a kid, I wanted to be like Egon. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that, that doesn't surprise me. I read that in the original draft, Dan Aykroyd wrote the role of Venkman for his friend Jim Belushi, who passed away before the production on this. So I just wonder how different that would have been, because from what I've seen of Jim Belushi, he wasn't really that snarky kind of comedy. So I don't know. I'd be curious to see what the role would have originally been like. He was like a kind of a lovable oaf. Yeah. A lot of the time. I think that could have made the film better if he was more derpy. Yeah, that would have been a very, very different movie. Okay, this is gonna, Sarah's gonna be so triggered. If instead of being a cool, cocky, nonchalant, quote unquote romantic, if he was more like a lovable idiot like Rocky was. And that would, I think that would have made the dynamic less abrasive and the romance less abrasive. And also, I think it would have fit better with the whole structure with the Ghostbusters and then the romance on the side. Yeah, we like rape culture a lot better when it's in a nice guy package. Yeah, yeah. exactly. It's easier to swallow. We're pretty nice guy. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Sarah, that's too real. You're making me think about my life too much. I'm sorry. You guys want to talk about some special effects? What'd you guys think? They were funny. <laughs> they, okay, This if this movie had good special effects, it would be way worse. The shitty special effects add to the comedy. I understand. That Whoa, was Chris, hu- I see that Chris, was Chris, Chris I see your anger. I see your anger. was the height of technology back then. <laughs> I understand that, but they look like asshole in 2021. But that adds to the comedy. When I see that dog running backwards and his legs are flopping around like he's got broken kneecaps, that's funny as fuck. That was funny. You say it was the height of technology. It was. But how can that possibly be true when you compare it to 1977 Star Wars? Star Wars looks like fucking garbage, bro. When, when, did you see... Did you watch the same film Star I did? Star Wars looks like asshole, and this film looks like Star asshole. Star Wars looks way better. It does better. not. It does, oh my god, it does movie. not. Are you out of your fucking mind? Okay, at least this film tried to make some spectral creature. All Star Wars did was make a fucking beam of light come out of a rod. Look at Close Encounters of the Third Kind, and compare it to those this were piece just, of shit. Those are fucking puppets. You can't have those. They look you, you, good. You couldn't have. So, I don't think you could have had the terror dogs running around in New York any other way than to do them with like the claymation overlays. Jordan in a suit would have been better. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so think Arizona they're up in the air. It's just a black background. Terror dogs. <laughs> More like inbred inbred mutts. <laughs> don't don't you talk about Zuli like that. Oh my gosh. Chris, you don't understand. As much as I hate on them, I think that makes the film that much more enjoyable for me. I love the jank. I think the more jank this film gets, the more I find myself liking it. And you can be like, "Eh, this this was not, it wasn't intentional, but I don't think it even needs to be intentional. There's a billion different theoretical frameworks or perspectives that you can view a film through. And if I like jank and it looks jank to me, I mean, I don't see that hurting anyone. That just means I'm having a good time. I would accept them more if they were intentional. I don't, I think it's funny. Uh, no, again, as I said at the beginning, the, a lot of the comedy is us laughing at the movie, not laughing with it. If it's intentional, it, it's less fun to make fun of. But I love making fun of it because it wasn't intentional. Maybe I'm an asshole, but that just makes the game all that much more entertaining. <laughs> Maybe. I'm not willing to buy that these were state-of-the-art, you know, taught, we spared no expense kind of 
computer-generated images compared to the other films that came out at the same time. There was no such thing as computer in 1984. It was all animation. There, no, there was no computers. There was no such thing as computers in 1984. <laughs> no, there was, there was no CGI in 1984. It was hand-drawn animation. That's, how, that's what your lasers were in both Star Wars and, uh, and the cool proton pack lasers. Those... Yeah, it's all layered on in post almost. Yeah, like you would do like a hand-drawn animation, but not, not, not that it's hand-drawn, but that the way it's applied is similar to the way you would do old cell animation with the background and the foreground and all the different uh, characters on, or effects on plastic sheets or whatever that you can kind of slide around and match to the frames. Do you guys want to talk about the music? Yeah, the music was good. I liked the music. Fucking awesome. All I can say is Bustin makes me feel good. Let's go. Oh my God, I just deconstructed that. Holy shit. <laughs> That's so fucking dirty. Okay, when we were watching this and I was complaining about all the sexual innuendo, literally the theme song just keeps going, Bustin makes me feel good. And the, the portal is, you got a nut in this fucking possessed woman to open the portal to hell. And the theme song is about Bustin. I don't understand why you I were never, like. I never made the. Oh, oh I've never made that connection because I watched it when I was ten. Oh God. Was that slang back then? I don't know. Maybe not for ten-year-olds. Every episode, I talk about how I want an anthem to hum and remember and keep. And was <laughs> This film had an anthem that I not only had stuck in my head before I had ever watched the film, but will be stuck in my head until the day I am in the ground. And for that, I have to bestow Ghostbusters with top tier sound design. Ooh. It's such a good fit. It's so random. You got synth, funk, rock, and so much energy that supports the film. The film is this fragile uh, scaffolding of mismatched ideas. What's really binding this mess together is this kick-ass, weird, fun, awesome soundtrack. That, the length, and then the Stay Puffed Marshmallow Man are the things that I enjoyed the most about this movie. The Terror Dogs are my favorite part. No, they're not my favorite part. But they're one of my favorite parts. They're sick. Like, sick in the head. Like, they can't even run straight. They've got some sort of neurological <laughs> disease. They have rabies. <laughs> they're from another dimension. But not we're not sponsored at all. But you, I'm looking right at this. At Spirit Halloween in the U.S., for a mere $500, you can buy a life-size Terror Dog. And it looks fantastic. Ooh. 500 Canadian or 500 U.S.? Well, it's, it's Get the it, U.S. Jordan. store. I am not buying a Terror Dog. <laughs> there may be a Terror Dog when you walk in the door one day, though. <laughs> well, more so than you. Usual. <laughs> Do you guys have any scenes or any moments you want to talk about that we haven't discussed so far before we rank this bad boy? Yeah, I loved when Rick Moranis was was rocking his accountants only party. Yeah. And he's talking about all his, his clients <laughs> as they come in and oh I only invited clients to this party. That way I could write it off on my taxes. <laughs> <laughs> so funny. I just thought his whole character was well delivered and well acted. I loved that little guy. See, that was a great piece of comedy that was really on point. It was strange. It was weird. And it fit with the film so well. Those are the moments that I like to remember. And the reason why I think this movie is mostly fun to watch. I liked that there were, yeah, Rick Moranis and Dan Aykroyd, two Canadians in comedy. That's nice. And then my favorite scene was when the Stay Puff Marshmallow is walking down the streets and you just get a glimpse of his eye looking at you between the <laughs> buildings I, that made me laugh because he looked so cute but he's so big that's all i enjoyed 
So as a continuation from a pre our previous episode on 12 Angry Men in a grade 12 drama oh class delivered a the monologue for the state puffed marshmallow man when Ray realizes what he had done as soon as he thinks of the state puffed marshmallow man. Was that by choice or were you assigned that role? Honestly, I don't remember. That was uh, like 12 years ago. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's so cool how you've been, you have like an interesting perspective on a lot of these films. He's been in all of our movies coming soon to a stage near you i love that you were like an actor in high school that is awesome maybe that's why craig has the best takes out of all the popcorn peeps i'm editing the episode and i'm like damn craig you're so fucking smart i wish i said that so i'm gonna insightful. mute craig's audio track and i'm just gonna revoice what craig says yeah. to make myself look smarter <laughs> and every stupid Go for it, man and i'm gonna get like a voice ai and all the dumb shit that comes out of my mouth i'm gonna give that to sarah <laughs> If you're following along with the YouTube video, you can check out a list of all of our rankings so far at the top of the description or at popcornpeeps.com. But without further ado, Sarah, where are you going to put Ghostbusters amongst the films we have seen so far? How many movies have we had now? This is episode 24. Then that's where I'm going to put it. (laughs) Are you for real? Yep. Look, it's not a I good movie. I hated this worse than Airplane, which is in my current last spot. Airplane is good. Wow. Airplane in, in is hindsight, a good movie. In hindsight, I would move it up. So yeah, no, I'm putting this 24th. <sighs> Sarah hates comedy. She oh. just wants to learn about the legislative requirements for opening up a <laughs> ghost-busting business <laughs> in the state sto- of New York. What are their storage requirements for spectral gel? <laughs> Technically, Venkman Incorporated was not compliant with the form <laughs> T4385-A. What state are you created in they operate in new york but they're a, they're a delaware entity. corporation delaware <laughs> that's not even a meme if it no, exists it's, it's a delaware, delaware corporation how about you craig we're gonna pop this bad boy look this isn't a good movie yes it is okay Shut no it's up, not Jordan. but it's you fun only to watch like the terror dogs this is not a good movie but you should watch this movie if you haven't seen it yet it's definitely better than some of the some of the stinkers on this oh, list. Oh, for sure. I'm not gonna be so uh, aggressive. As <laughs> Sarah's trying to as prove Sarah a point. Is. The bottom four films are gonna be Rocky, Ghostbusters, <laughs> any film where a woman is treated poorly. <laughs> at the bottom of the list. I'm placing this film in 18th, below Die Hard, but above Pan's Labyrinth. Sarah, I respect you as a person, and you have changed <laughs> some of my views on this movie, but not where I'm placing it in. And it's probably because of nostalgia. And that you hate women. Number nine. I don't hate Shut women. Up, just, just being a troll. <laughs> I feel really bad. If you place it in your top ten, you hate women. You already heard me say I put it in ninth. What is it between, though? Wally's better and Close Encounters is not as good. Craig on Suicide Watch. Well, here's the real, here's the problem I'm having here is my, my list is so fucked up because it's definitely a, not better than Dr. Zhivago. Do you have it higher than Dr. Zhivago? But Dr. Zhivago's at 15. So it can't be higher than 15 because Zhivago is so good. You see, my Zhivago is three. On this point, on episode 25, we're going to take a little bit of time at the end of the episode and we're going to rekajigger our list a little bit now that we've seen more films and explain some of our thoughts as to why we're rekajiggering things. So there's going to be a big shakeup in where we're ranking things and we're going to change the live rankings as well. So now that we're more cultured. Where things are situated now is definitely not set in stone, and we're totally happy to go back after the fact and change things. Just because you were dumb once doesn't mean you need to be dumb always. <laughs> so, moving my whole list. There's <laughs> hope for Jordan. All right, I'm going to rank this bad boy in 20th place below Beauty and the Beast and above the much-renowned Deer Hunter. <laughs> 
To be honest, the film is so much fun to watch, but it's a disaster. And you know what? I have a hard time balancing whether or not I want to put it high because I had fun watching it or whether I want to put it low because it's actually a piece of garbage. And so it's somewhere in between. <laughs> it's like watching a car accident. Yeah. That's my point. But I love watching NASCAR fails and that makes me feel terrible. <laughs> but that's just where it's going. How many rewatches have people done of this? I've seen it four times. This is my first... I've seen it eight or nine times, and I used to really be into it. I bought the Dan Aykroyd signature Merlot to watch this film with my broskies in university, and I was on theme. Like, this used to be my thing, but as I've matured a little bit, the last three or four rewatches, it just keeps getting worse. And so this might even be the last time I watch it. I don't know. Interesting. It's just... I think you've probably seen it more than me. I've maybe... I saw it maybe in the theater. PG, that means my parents could have taken me. That's possible. And then on, like, Super channel and my dad took me to see jurassic park when i was like four years old so just because your parents take you to see a movie doesn't mean it's any good no i know rated pg but the villain comes because the gate gets coomed on and so you know what do we need like a whole retrospective on the rating system yeah there's that too Uh, so the next movie we're watching is 2005's brokeback mountain looking forward to that one finally a romance better than braveheart Get your cowboy hats, get your boots, get your lasso. It's yep, classic Western. This is classic Western, right? Technically, it will be our Halloween special and then Brokeback Mountain. I actually don't even know what Brokeback Mountain is about other than it's just like Perfect. two. I saw like one photo of like two guys cuddling on a mountainside and that's how I know about it. I think one of them was wearing a cowboy hat. So that's why I think this is a cowboy movie, but it probably isn't. It's just a classic Western. <laughs> yeah, your classic Clint Eastwood. Until you find out what Brokeback actually stands for. <laughs> now Sarah's flirting with me for sure. <laughs> I see. <laughs> I would like to extend a special thank you to our supporters on Patreon.com. If you would like to support the show, check out the link at the top of the YouTube description or on PopcornPeeps.com. But special thank you to Travis Laporte, Jim Wamsley, Ryan Cernan, Frank Costa, Sarah Renier, Erica Wilson, Tyler Laporte, and Ask McButtface. (laughs) Thank you so much for your contribution to our cause. I hope you enjoyed the episode and we will see you next time. Bye-bye. Bye. Thanks, everybody. Bye. Bye.